This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. On Monday, a new study confirmed what environmentalists have been saying for years. Sea lice have developed a resistance to slice, the treatment fish farms use most often against them. In many ways, this paper marks a, a new era. First Nations are very keen to manage their territories. One of the extraordinary things about this paper is two First Nation chiefs are co-authors on the paper. They didn't write the science, but they made it possible for this science to occur, which is one of the measures of whether you can be an author of a scientific paper. Chief John Powell of the Mamalilikala lives in Campbell River, and Chief Rick Johnson, Kwakwasutunuk, he lives out in the Broughton Archipelago at the village called Guayasdoms. The First Nations gave scientists access to this information. They requested that the salmon farming company test their lice for drug resistance, and they wanted those results. Said independent biologist Alexandra Morton. According to the report, independent scientists have not been given access to raw bioassay data since 2012, and that was only a summary. Scientists were able to access this data because First Nations were given a monitoring and management role over salmon farms operating in the Broughton Archipelago. One of the paper's authors wrote, quote, In a province with a long history of industrial exploitation of resources in indigenous territories, these agreements and their outcomes represent a compelling example of indigenous self-governance that may become more prevalent as First Nations endeavor to gain more control over industrial operations in their traditional territories." Unquote. Brian Kingsit, Science and Policy Director for the BC Salmon Farmers Association, emailed, quote, Despite activists trying to paint this as a conspiracy, the information has never been confidential and has been reviewed and discussed with regulators for a long time. In the recent BC Salmon Farmers report about sea lice monitoring in the Discovery Islands, Kingsit wrote, quote, Five years of sea lice monitoring has demonstrated that sea lice levels have been low with most out-migrating salmon not infected by sea lice. Additionally, we did not see sea levels change after decreased production of salmon farming in the region, unquote. The wild salmon in the Broughton Archipelago have been in a population nosedive since salmon farming moved in. And we all know why. <laughs> yes, climate change is catastrophic and is impacting fish, but these little fish are not making it to sea. They are covered in sea lice, and we now know they are also being infected with pathogens. These nations in the Broughtons have hired some of the best scientists, pathologists, sea lice researchers, Sean Godwin, the senior author, is a young scientist. He's extremely brave, outspoken, very meticulous. Cortez Currents has previously interviewed both lead author Dr. Sean Godwin, a Liber Aero postdoctoral fellow at Dalhousie University, and co-author Dr. Andrew Bateman from the Pacific Salmon Foundation, but neither were currently available for comment. There was not sufficient time to contact the remaining scientists listed as co-authors. Cortez Currents also reached out to co-author Kelly Speck of the Namgis First Nation, who has not yet replied, but their findings are clear. The active ingredient in slice 
is emamectin benzoate, or EMB, and the authors state, quote, Our results suggest that salmon lice in the Pacific Ocean have recently evolved substantial resistance to EMB, and that salmon louse outbreaks on the Pacific farms will therefore be more difficult to control in the coming years, unquote. The report traces sea lice resistance back to what was originally thought to be a localized, short-lived phenomenon in 2013, and states that EMB was used almost exclusively up until 2019. Quote, the three least effective treatments of all occurred in 2021, and all three resulted in higher counts post-treatment than pre-treatment, suggesting treatment failure, unquote. Kings at email. Industry has been aware that this has been slowly happening for almost a decade and has been requesting alternate solutions that are approved in other jurisdictions. Farm salmon introduced to the ocean is being infected by sea lice from returning wild salmon and, as a result, the development of tolerance has been slow to occur. In general, the decline of efficiency of the single treatment method is not news to BC salmon farming sector. We have warned the federal government for a decade that we need access to a broader range of environmentally safe and effective tools for sea lice management. Integrated pest management, employing a variety of preventative and responsive measures, is the most effective way to help support the government's objectives in sea lice management and our shared objectives to support the health of wild salmon stocks. Dan Lewis of Clayquid Action said drugs and, and medicines into the feed never seemed like a good idea to me because 10% of the feed doesn't get eaten. It falls through the farms and gets consumed by crabs and other bottom feeders or just deposited at the bottom. The report mentions three alternative methods, freshwater baths, hydrogen peroxide baths, and jets of pressurized water, but adds each has its own drawback, quote, some of which will worsen with climate change necessitating a diverse set of strategies for louse control, unquote. Lewis said his organization has been taking samples of the effluent coming out of a boat called the hydrolyzer. They suck the fish out of the pens and then they power wash the lice off of them. So lice are, of course, designed by evolution to hang on for dear life to whatever they find as a food source, a salmon. And it's not easy to get them off these fish. So the power wash causes a lot of damage to the fish. We go out every uh, week and we sample the fish farms. We're looking at what's coming out of these things. We're using a plankton net. We sample what's coming out and then we send it off to a biologist who looks at it in a microscope and identifies all of the lice in there. We're finding lice in the effluent. So they're breaching their conditions of license. What really shook me up this particular time two weeks ago was that we found dead herring floating beside the hydrolyzer and littering the deck of the hydrolyzer. It looked like they had actually been sucked out of the pen and run through the power washer. And so their eyeballs were blown out, a lot of their heads were removed, but they were floating uh, dead in the water and they were covered in sea lice. Kingsit wrote, quote, sea lice are not being spread by peroxide and freshwater treatments. Filtration systems are in place on the new systems that producers have invested in and that are very effective. Also, the alternative treatments themselves, fresh water, mechanical delousing, and H2O2, are highly effective and used as part of a comprehensive, integrated 
Pest Management Plan. There are many factors that veterinarians consider when implementing treatment plans with an integrated pest management strategy. Bioassays are just one tool that veterinarians use as a predictor of the sensitivity of lice to EMB. But there are other, more reliable predictors that they consider as part of a holistic health management program. That's why licensed practicing veterinarians are best positioned to make health management decisions on BC health farms. Alexander Morton has been studying the sea lice problem for two decades. I've been doing sea lice research since 2001, and so what that entails is looking at the juvenile wild salmon as they swim past the farms. I started in the Broughton Archipelago, and now I've done work also in Discovery Islands and in Nootka Sound. But first, the lice levels were catastrophic, and the government enacted a limit on how many lice the farms could have, and they began to use the drug slice. And so around 2006, seven, eight, the drug was working really well. We saw the sea lice levels on the young wild salmon drop to a point where I think the majority of them may have survived from sea lice. That's not to say they weren't picking up a virus or bacteria, but the lice levels were low. Then in 2015, that trend began to reverse in the Broughton. And I co-published a paper on this discussing how something had gone wrong. We didn't know what, because the salmon farming industry is not transparent. You really never know what is going on inside, but they are in public waters. So there's a lot of work being done on what goes on outside. So then I began to order DFO staff conversations about drug resistance through the Access to Information Act there was a lot known. It started in Clem 2 on the Central Coast, and then it's appeared in Nooka Sound area. And then it hit Clockwood Sound really hard. There was a lot of internal discussion, and there were some DFO veterinarians, in particular one Dr. Ian Keith, who we never hear from. But he was writing very strongly to the companies and to his superiors saying there was a serious drug-resistant problem that farm fish that were infected with these lice should not be moved to the east side of Vancouver Island to be processed, for example, in the wall can, which doesn't process farm fish anymore, or the Browns Bay packing plant, because he said those lice are going to be released into the east coast. He said fish from those farms should not go into other farms. He said when the companies can't kill their lice, what they're offering to do is harvest them. And that doesn't work because harvesting is such a slow process as opposed to culling the whole farm. So DFO staff were trying to deal with this. DFO enforcement staff said their hands were tied and there was nothing they could do because all the fish farmers needed was a plan, <laughs> but, but there was no <laughs> rules about that plan actually working. What year is this? This was ongoing in 2015, 16, 17, 18. And, and it's ongoing. So for example, the salmon farming industry has to post the number of lice they have on their fish on their websites. 
if they want to be part of the certification that says salmon farming is benign and it's okay to eat their fish. They're very keen to get that certification. So they post their numbers on a website, which I follow in Quatsino, which is a beautiful small inlet off northwestern Vancouver Island. Maui has several farms, five or six. They have been treating those fish for sea lice steadily since December 1st. They've used hydrogen peroxide, fresh water, and the hydrolyser, which sucks the fish through this chamber and basically tries to power wash the lice off. And still, today, they have an average of 26.9 juvenile lice at one of the farms. So there's five farms over the coastwide, the limit the DFO set to protect young wild salmon. This is what's posted on their website. So it's not my work. <laughs> I'm just looking at it. Quatsino is an example of something that is going very wrong. Those lice are resistant to everything. So back to the paper that just got published, DFO is very shy about talking about the <laughs> impact of salmon farms. And they definitely don't want to talk about this drug resistance because it means the salmon farmers are losing control. And, you know, what's going on right now is, is so alarming because the fish farm industries licenses all expire in approximately 90 days. And they are working with First Nations to shield themselves from our minister of fisheries. Some nations are signing up to be this shield and say they don't think there's a problem. Other nations, like the ones that published the paper, are actually doing the research and they know it's a serious problem. And they're doing everything they can to get these farms out of their territory. 30 salmon farms have been closed and there's more scheduled to close. This year will be the second year in a row that juvenile Fraser River salmon are going to go to sea without squeezing past the fish farms off Campbell River. And this summer, we are going to see the first returns from that. So the pink salmon that went to sea through the Discovery Islands with no fish farms are going to be returning in July and August of this year. And very curious what their numbers are going to look like. The licenses for 79 of British Columbia's fish farms come up for renewal at the end of June. If they are not renewed, there will only be seven active farms left in the province. They're all in the Broughton Archipelago. Fisheries Minister Joyce Murray says she intends to continue the plan to take this industry out of the ocean by 2025. A spokesperson from the BC Salmon Farmers Association emailed Cortez Currents, quote, If temporary licenses are reissued, it puts the entire industry at risk. The companies work on five-year cycles, and if there is no certainty that licenses will be renewed beyond a year, it wouldn't make much sense to continue operating if you cannot complete the life cycle of the fish. We saw this with the Discovery Islands decision, where millions of fish were euthanized in the hatchery as they were not allowed to complete their life cycle in their pens. Science-based decision-making is imperative. The former Minister Jordan confirmed that the Discovery Islands decision was not based on science, despite the fact DFO concluded, through nine risk assessments, that salmon farms do not pose more than minimal risk to wild Pacific salmon. Unquote.
I traveled to Norway about seven years ago to meet with the company and to meet with our friends and allies over there. The thing that really struck me when I was there, Norway has wild salmon, just like we do. They have wild Atlantic salmon, but they have a ratio of about roughly 1,000 farmed fish for every wild fish. Here in BC, it's the exact opposite. We have probably a thousand times more wild fish than farmed fish. If you look around the world at the salmon farming industry, they're putting salmon at risk in Norway, Scotland, uh, Ireland, but those salmon runs are really depleted. And so they're putting the environment at risk and probably many other species of fish, but they're not uh, running the risk of losing wild salmon runs. When you come over to to, uh, Canada, the Atlantic coast of Canada, we have wild Atlantic salmon. They are in a really bad way and the industry there is harming them. But when you come to BC, suddenly you're in a place where you have millions of fish coming back every year. And that's what's being put at risk by this industry here, unlike any other place in the world. And, And as your listeners know, wild salmon are key to everything in British Columbia, from cultures to feeding the wildlife to providing the nitrogen that grows these trees to such massive sizes. And scientists for years were trying to figure out how are these trees getting so big? And it wasn't until the mid 90s that this, the, the papers started coming out that it is the salmon who are bringing the nitrogen back into the rivers and the bears and all the other animals are spreading that nutrient all through the ecosystem. It's what they call the nitrogen pump. And it's one of the few examples in nature where you see nutrients moving uphill against gravity. It tends to be that everything goes down to the sea. But in this case, the salmon go out to sea, gather all these nutrients, bring them back, lay their eggs, offering another generation of salmon, and then they leave their bodies to feed the bears and all the wildlife and trees. When we met with Norway's leading salmon virologist, Dr. Nieland, he said to us, you have to choose. It's either or. You cannot have both in the same place, which is why people are saying, get them on land. When you put salmon farms in the water, you're choosing to sacrifice your wild salmon. It's either a handful of jobs or the continuity of a biological foundation of the ecosystem. The decision whether to renew the salmon farm licenses on this coast is going to have a profound impact on British Columbia. If some First Nations and the minister decide this industry is going to stay, well, by the time the decision comes up again, we will have lost many wild salmon runs. Because when you have a salmon run that's supposed to be 50,000 and only 80 come back, (laughs) you don't get a second chance. That is your second chance. So if anyone is is interested in protecting this coast, you could write to Joyce Murray, our Minister of Fisheries, and just let her know that you've got her back because I'm sure she's hearing from the fish farmers hard and steady. You've been listening to interviews with independent biologist Alexander Morton and Dan Lewis of Clayquit Action. Emails from Brian Kingsit, Science and Policy Director for the BC Salmon Farmers Association, and also from a spokesperson from the BC Salmon Farmers Association. There were also select readings from the scientific report Salmon Lice in the Pacific Ocean Show Evidence of Evolved Resistance to Parasite Treatment and 
a recent BC Salmon Farmers paper about sea lice in the Discovery Islands. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.